TII item 309, May 28th, 2014. Oleg Plus and two-step verification. Welcome to Today in iPhone. I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golan! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeff for sending in the music here in the background. Jeff wrote... Hi Rob, I made this song with my iPhone 4S using GarageBand app. For free downloads and more music, follow me at JeffJ6 on Twitter. Guard ChefJ. Well, thanks Jeff for the music, and folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Tony for sending in the artwork for today's show. Tony wrote the following. Hi Rob, this artwork was made on my iPad using Transit, Kaleidocam, and Tune Camera. Regards, Tony P. Well, thanks, Tony, again, for sending in this artwork. And, folks, you can see Tony's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 309. Or, if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also the standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, fewer capabilities than in netbook, but a similar size. Not a good start. Unquote. Lee Gomez, Forbes Asia Magazine, 5th of March 2010, talking about the iPad. Well, Lee, your quote was short and sweet and totally, well, off the mark. Just saying. Did you ever notice the irony that Apple products are never liked by the financial folks? Yet Apple makes more money than anyone else. Seems like the financial folks would be swooning over Apple, but nope, they seem to like Google. That just keeps, well, you know, missing their quarterly guidance numbers quarter after quarter after quarter. Just seems strange to me, that's all. For promo codes on episode 308, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app, Fnotes, and the ebook, Little Millie's Big Plan. The expiration dates on those was, well, now. Well, before now. So I sent those out already. Here is the feedback I already received on the FNotes app via Facebook from Mark T. I just wanted to say thanks to Rob. I managed to obtain one of the free codes for the FNotes app. I have to say, I'm a big user of the Stock Notes app, but the FNotes app is excellent. Just being able to put a favorite star on your important messages is great but being able to password protect my notes is something the stock app should have been able to do right from the start. Also being able to back up to Dropbox is a bonus in my book. Thought I'd just say thanks for such a great app. Well, thanks Mark for the feedback on Fnotes. Sorry folks, no more promo codes for that as they were given out. Yeah, that kind of makes me a little tease there, sorry. This week we have promo codes for the app Spaceheads, two words. Here is the review from the dev. Hello everybody, my name is Nils Costa and I'm the creative director on Spaceheads, a new mobile game for iOS and Android. Do you like manga and flying around in spaceships? Do you like super addictive gameplay? Then this game is for you. Spaceheads is a fun-packed manga-inspired spaceship runner. You choose a pilot and complete exciting missions by flying a spaceship through tunnels filled with gems, collectibles and dangerous obstacles. This game challenges your speed and coordination skills, all while giving your story to unlock about a team of friends who constantly challenge themselves to do the impossible. You are invited to become a part of this team, to become a Spacehead champion. Enjoy the action. It's available on Android and iOS June 3rd this year. Thanks to the dev for his review of his app Spaceheads and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, Send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put spaceheads in the subject line. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. 
And I'll say this, WWDC is going to be June 2nd. That's our next episode we're going to be covering. That's going to be a big spike in traffic. So if you have an app, maybe you've done promo codes with us before, maybe you haven't, now is a great time to get it into me. Please get it in before this Saturday, the end of May, so I can get it on. I'm going to start doing the recording of the next episode Sunday on June 1st. So please, by Saturday, May 31st, if you would like to get your promo codes mentioned on the next episode, which is going to be 310, which is going to cover WWDC 2014, it's a great chance to get a lot more exposure for your app. Send it to me, ASAP. I try to lead off each episode right after you get through the promo codes and that stuff with a story I think was the most interesting or dire or buzzworthy each week. Going into Monday evening this week, when I was putting together the show notes, I was really stretching to find a lead story. Nothing was looking like a candidate. I mean, the last thing I wanted to do was lead off with a story about two new iPad commercials or what someone in customer service at a German telco reportedly said. Then bingo, bango, bongo, some people in Australia have their iPhones hijacked and held for ransom, and I'm like, oh yeah, good news for me. I just found my lead story. Oh, is that a little shallow? Sorry. Okay, let's go over what is happening first and what you need to do to protect yourself second. Some users throughout Australia reported that suddenly their iOS devices were locked down and they received a message that basically said, this device has been hacked by Oleg Pliss. And to unlock this device, you need to pay them $100 via PayPal. And again, this was reported by multiple users all across Australia. What it looks like happened is that a hacker was able to use the Find My iPhone app and the user's email and password and lock down the devices. How the hacker got the passwords appears to have been from other recently hacked services like eBay or one of the other few sites recently in the news about getting their user email list hacked. At least that's one theory. It seems like people use the same email password combo on those sites as they used for their iCloud iTunes account. More importantly, they did not set up two-step verification. At least one user reported using the same password with iTunes as he had in eBay. I did have a couple of people ask if they should turn off Find My iPhone. Heck no! This is not an issue with Find My iPhone. Well, okay, it is partially an issue with Find My iPhone, but not the issue. The issue is the hacker got control of their Apple ID, and they, the end users, did not have two-step verification turned on. Okay, let me do a really quick analogy for you on what happened here. You have a bicycle. You ride it into the city. You take your bike lock off. It's one of those key bike locks. And you put the chain around the bike lock. You lock it up, and you leave the key in the lock. Someone comes along. They take the key out of the lock. And they leave a note that says, if you want to have your bike unlocked, give me 100 bucks." That's essentially what happened. People were careless with their key to their lock. It's not by my iPhone's fault. It's the end user's fault for not doing two-step verification, or in this case, not taking the key out of the lock. An article from the LA Times said the following with regards to those that were hacked and getting back control of their devices, or for getting back control of their devices. Quote, to gain access, affected users can try the method named use recovery mode, on the Apple support article, or per the Apple support article, iOS forgot passcode or device disabled. If that doesn't work, users should contact Apple at one of the company's retail stores or by phone, unquote. However, if you go to the Apple support forum post where this news first broke, this is what the original author flagged as the advice that actually worked for him. Quote, turn off your phone, Plug your cable into the computer and have iTunes up. Do not plug it into the iPhone yet. Press and hold the home key on your off phone. I did mine for about 10 seconds. If nothing happens, plug in the cable into your phone, keeping hold of the home key. What you want to see come up is the picture of iTunes and the cable on the front of the phone. Your iTunes should then recognize the phone as an unidentified phone. Select Restore Factory Settings. It should download some software. 
about 15 minutes approximately and automatically install the phone should go through some of the standard reset screens usually black screen with the apple icon and the loading bar you will be prompted to restore the phone do this from itunes not the phone throughout the process you must not let the phone or computer go to sleep mode and don't disconnect unquote now mind you you need to do this from the computer that you originally used and have synced with your iPhone in the past. I read through the Apple forum posts and other people that put in on this article. And from Apple forum super user, Thomas underscore R, he has 27,495 points, which is very impressive if you're not familiar with the Apple system. And that's a level seven, uh, which again is very impressive in the Apple forums. He said the following, quote, this topic has grown very quickly, and there are many people saying a lot of different things. Rather than try to address everyone, I'm just going to stick to some general information about this kind of a hack. What has undoubtedly happened in all these cases is that your Apple ID has been hacked. How that may have happened, I don't know. Could be weak passwords, falling to brute force attacks by a botnet. It could be that people logged in to a malicious fake Apple server in response to a phishing email scam. It could be something else entirely. Once the hackers have access to your Apple ID, they can remotely lock all your iOS devices with a message. They can also see any data stored in iCloud, calendars, contacts, email, notes, etc. If you have a Mac with Back to My Mac enabled, they could potentially get remote access of that as well. They could also make purchases on your Apple ID. The solution to the problem is to regain access of your Apple ID. Erasing the device is not a solution in many cases. Reset the password and make sure to change it to something very secure. As additional security measures, I strongly suggest that you enable two-step verification on your Apple ID. Doing so provides additional security and should prevent the hacker from ever being able to take control of your Apple ID entirely away from you. You should not be afraid of turning on Find My iPhone, which is an important anti-theft feature. Instead, simply enable two-factor authentication, two-step verification, that is, to make sure your Apple ID is secured so nobody can manage to use this feature against you. Note that enabling two-step verification does not guarantee that your Apple ID won't be hacked, so you still need to use a strong password. What it does protect against is changes to your Apple ID that would give the hacker permanent access. With two-step two verification enabled, you will always be able to reset the password of your Apple ID and regain access to it as long as you follow the directions and are careful to save the recovery key, unquote. FYI, if you are a past listener of the show, Yes, I said you should set up two-step verification on episode 268, to be precise, and then a few others before that. If you have not done so, look for the link in the show notes titled FAQ about two-step verification for Apple ID. This is for episode 309's show notes. Additionally, make sure, of course, you are using a different password for your Apple ID than you use with other services. And why not just use a unique email address for your Apple ID? That's what I do. The only place I use my email address uh, that I use for Apple ID is with iTunes. That's it. I don't use it anywhere else. So if any other services I use get hacked, they're not going to find the email password combo that I use for iTunes. This whole issue came about because the users either did not set, well, definitely did not set up two-step verification and they likely used the same email password combo on multiple services, or they fell prey to a phishing scam. One thing about setting up two-step verification, it will likely mean you need to change your iTunes password, your current iTunes password. So if you have one of those short, easy to remember type, uh, and well, easy to hack <laughs> passwords, yeah, Apple will want that changed. Yep, say goodbye to your dogs or your kids' names for passwords. Again, Links about all of this and the FAQ on setting up two-step verification in the show notes for episode 309 over at todayonios.com. Or you, if you're using the podcast app, you can now see the links right there in the podcast app. 
on what originally looked like a completely unrelated issue, there are reports that two hackers figured out how to unbrick bricked stolen iPhones, or in this case, maybe iPhones held for ransom. Hmm, timing on this one seems curious at best. Now, of course, these hackers say they wear a white hat and claim this is just for those that had their own iPhones bricked or locked down by accident, and not to be used by anyone that you know went Apple picking. Wink, wink, nod, nod. They have a service that helps you unblock, unbrick iPhones, and it's called Dolce, which is iCloud spelled backwards. So what do the experts think about this offering? Well, as Muscle Nerd said on Twitter, I feel sorry for those proxying through Dolce while logged into iTunes. Which he's basically is saying, if you use this method to unlock your bricked device, Dolce acts as a man in the middle to achieve this result. But that also means if logged into iTunes, they get your iTunes credentials and login info. Not sure how comfortable you feel about giving your iTunes login info to the hackers. But it is not something I would ever recommend. Of course, if you just got your iPhone hacked and held for ransom from Oleg Plus, maybe you would do just that. Of course, the downside on all of this is if your iOS device is stolen and you thought it was locked down and you bricked it with Find My iPhone legitimately, these folks are giving would-be thieves a way to unbrick, mind you, right now that does not unlock the SIM code or SIM card. So your iPhone is just a big iPod touch, but they said they are working on getting that last part unlocked as well. So do I recommend using them if your device is bricked? Heck no. Will thieves use this service to unbrick stolen iPhones? Of course they will. Not a good start of the episode for Apple this week. Sounds like iOS 8 needs some additional security upgrades. Okay, now to be fair to Apple, the whole first part where the iPhones were held for ransom, if the users used the security Apple had put in place, two-step verification, none of this would have happened to them. And what people aren't reporting in any of these stories right now is about those people that had two-step verification in place and were able to take their phone back from the hostage takers. So yeah, all that you're going to hear about is the people complaining that their phones were bricked and they had to pay $100 and they don't want need to get it unbricked. You're not hearing about those that actually had the security set up correctly in place and were able to bypass these ransom or hostage takers. Or to go back to the original analogy, what we're not hearing about is the people that had a note on their bicycle that, hey, give us 100 bucks and we'll unlock your bike. And they just reached in their pocket, pulled out their key and unlocked it and threw the note away. Hey Rob, this is Tracy from Nashville, and I'm responding to something another listener asked about in episode either 306 or 307. Someone had a dilemma where they didn't want to use the same iTunes account as their spouse, but they also did not want to pay for the same app twice, but would rather share the apps between the devices. You brought up in the latest episode, 308, about the home sharing feature. That feature includes the ability, besides sharing audio and video files between computers in the same home, also the ability to share apps. Uh, my wife and I have shared several apps this way over the last several years. The only annoyance that I've found is that when one of those apps gets updated, you either have to know your spouse's account password to update it on your device, or... You have to reshare the app once it has been updated uh, and just reshare it over iTunes. I hope this is helpful, and as always, love the show. Keep up the great work. Tracy, thanks for that feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I would definitely recommend not allowing Siri access on the lock screen, as if someone from work or a friend gets your phone and wants to access to a specific contact on the device, they just need to say the contact's name to Siri and the phone number comes up. Go to settings slash touch ID and passcode slash enter your passcode, scroll to allow access and when locked and flick Siri to off. Kind regards, Steve in Brisbane, Australia. Hi, Steve. If you have a very protected contact list, then yes. But for me, not having Siri when locked which my iPhone is most of the time and in my pocket, would be a pain. 
I like being able to, with my phone in my pocket, tap and hold the center button on the headphones and activate Siri and have her call my wife or send a text to my wife and now also play a podcast. For those reasons, for me, it does not make sense to neuter Siri. Well, if she were he, that is. Well, I guess in some countries, she, he is a he. I am starting to think one of the most important features on iOS 8 is going to be security. Or maybe I'm just hoping it is. Apple could really go a long way in making the data on your and info on your iPhone more secure, like password-locked apps. From Google Plus Community, Hi Rob, I'm listening to episode 308 of TII and listening to all the requests to iOS 8. I'd love to see a password to turn off the phone for security. Regards, Chris. Hi Chris. Yes, that would be nice. Instead of swipe to turn off, you have to enter your passcode or touch ID to turn off your device. This way, any thief would not be able to turn off your device and you could locate it with Find My iPhone right up until they start carrying a Faraday bag with them, that is. Here's a post from the Google Plus community that I wanted to read. It comes from Chris in London. Quote, The way to allow non-iOS users to view your shared photo streams is actually quite simple. You can just make them a public website that will have its own unique URL. You can then share that URL with friends and family members whenever you'd like. Here's where to get it. Launch the Photos app from the home screen on your iPhone or iPad. Tap on the photo stream tab in the bottom navigation. From here, tap on the blue arrow next to the shared photo stream you'd like to make public. Towards the bottom, there is an option for public website. Enable it by turning it to on. Now tap on the share link after it's generated. You'll then be able to copy it into the clipboard or share it many various ways regardless of what mobile platform someone else is using. Regards, Chris in London. Unquote. Well, thanks, Chris. Hey, Rob. This is Bob from Milford, Connecticut. I got a cool tip that I just realized. Now that Siri can integrate with the podcast app, you can ask Siri to fast-forward or rewind any timestamp that you want. Fast forward two minutes and 30 seconds, rewind two minutes and 10 seconds. I thought that was a useful tip. I'm a mailman and I walk around with headphones in all day and I can, without taking the phone out of my pocket, I can just do that. Great idea. Thanks, Apple. Bob, thanks for that heads up. I did not know that. And here, folks, here's an example of how this works. This is really actually pretty cool. Let me play a clip from one of the podcasts I'm listening to, Revolutions. But it was agreed in principle that an independent executive was essential for the stable and just operation of government. And obviously that everyone knew the first president would be George Washington helped quell... Rewind two minutes. Rewinding two minutes. Small r republic. Fast forward a minute 50 seconds. Skipping one minute and 50 seconds. Was essential for the stable and just operation of government. And obviously that everyone knew the first president would be George Washington helped quell any fears of immediate tyranny. Again, Bob, thanks for that tip. And folks, just tell Siri, rewind X amount of minutes and seconds or fast forward X amount of minutes and seconds, and she will do that for you. Or he, depending where you live. Very cool tip. We are now well over 750 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One post in the Google Plus community this past week came from John Hines, who is a very regular and very good contributor to the community. And he wrote, quote, Did you know that if you use burst mode on your iOS device and upload images to Google Plus, they automatically get animated? Unquote. It makes it like a little animated GIF. If anyone knows of an app that lets you take burst mode photos and then have turn them into an animated GIF that you can email, please let me know. Yes, there is the app InstaGIF, which is cool, free and kind of cool, but I don't think it can take your already created burst mode photos and turn them into a GIF. At least I could not test it that without doing a, an in-app purchase to allow for the import. But if anyone knows of an app that definitely allows you to get access to a burst mode photo, convert it to an animated gift that you can then email. Give us a call or send us an email, 206-666-6364 or today in iOS at gmail.com. Back to the Google Plus community. This past week, 
there were dozens and dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android boys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it's the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 750 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Oh, good news. Apple will be streaming the WWDC 14 keynote. I didn't think it as a really big surprise given the event is sold out and Apple wants the devs watching to get excited all over the world, not just live at the event. The event, as mentioned before, many times will be on June 2nd at 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time. There is a link in the show notes to the live stream of the event. However, I will do my best to get a new episode up as soon as possible after the live event. If all goes well, that means many of you in the U.S. will be able to listen to the podcast on your way home from work to hear what was talked about at WWDC. That is, if the best laid plans of mice and men come to pass. And I will record the first part of the next episode on Sunday night and then finish with the part covering WWDC at the end of the episode and post it right away. Again, that is the plan. Let's see what happens on June 2nd. If you have the TII app, look for the push notice when the new episode goes live and also look for the push notice during the WWDC event as they announce some new things. I will try to send out some pushes during the event. From Korea IT News comes word that LG Electronics and Samsung have recently asked Sapphire, Ingot, and Wafer makers to submit samples. Yes, shocker! Sammy heard about Apple's investment in GTAT and Sapphire, and they are looking to copy Apple. Who could have seen that one coming? Every indication is that GTAT is now shipping in quantity its Sapphire from its Arizona plant, Apple gets a lot of grief about how it uses its cash or doesn't use its cash for acquisitions. But this is where Apple's use of its cash to help prop up its supply chain is where Apple really, really stands out from everyone else, and they get it. Apple understands you can't have a hot-selling, great-selling product if you don't have a whole bunch of supply of that product available when the users want it. And Apple's done a lot over the past few years to fill that supply chain to have product available at launch and to allow their suppliers to create new processes and ways to produce product at a higher quality level for their devices. Apple invests in their supply chain more than any other company in the world. This is something Tim Cook gets better than any CEO in the world, period, bar none. That is Tim Cook's true strength at Apple. Thanks to Tash for this next one, which is an article about how sapphire glass does not mean the end of broken screens. Okay, the article does pull some info from a white paper by Corning, the makers of Gorilla Glass. So surprise, surprise, they are trying to throw sapphire under the bus. But hey, here's the skinny. Sapphire is the second hardest material behind diamond. Being harder than Gorilla Glass means it is less likely to scratch or chip. Not impossible to chip or scratch, but much less likely than Gorilla Glass to do so. Corning, for their part, shows that Gorilla Glass handles more pressure before breaking. That said, when you drop your phone, it is more likely to shatter if there is a pre-existing chip or scratch. Having the surface of your iOS device free of chips and scratches, as it is more likely to be with Sapphire than with Gorilla Glass, means it is less likely to shatter with Sapphire. But again, sapphire does not mean the end of shattered screens, but it should mean fewer shattered screens. Sapphire is not magic. It's not transparent aluminum. It is just better than Gorilla Glass, in theory. Believe you me, one of the first things people are going to do when they get the new iPhone with sapphire, if said iPhone with sapphire is launched in September, is go out and make videos showing it dropping to the ground and shattering and they will do lots and lots of drops until it finally shatters. But there will be videos within a day of its release that are getting lots of hits on YouTube showing you iPhones with shattered sapphire screens. Again, it's not magic. It's not transparent aluminum. It's just sapphire. One of the rumors for this past week has to do with the iPhone 6, and this comes from Deutsche Telekom supposedly telling one of their customer service people that the iPhone 6 will launch in mid-September, 
more specifically on September 19th. Yes, because Deutsche Telekom and their customer service department are who Apple wants to know exactly when the new iPhone 6 is going to launch. No one at Deutsche Telekom knows when the new iPhone 6 is going to launch. Definitely not anyone in customer service, probably not even the CEO of Deutsche Telekom. Apple waits until the last minute on this, and trust me, customer service people nowhere in the world know when the iPhone 6 is launching. Now, it very well may launch on September 19th, and that date makes a lot of sense, but it could also be September 26th. Somewhere in that time frame, the iPhone will launch. It Mid-September, late September makes a lot of sense. That's a year, that's basically where it was a year ago and where it was a year before that, and likely where it's going to be this year. But to say that someone at Deutsche Telekom and someone at customer service at Deutsche Telekom knows today, no. One 11th hour rumor about what will be announced at WWDC 2014 is, quote, from the Financial Times, claims that when Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference gets underway on June 2nd, the big reveal won't be a smartwatch or a 12-inch tablet, but a new initiative that puts the iPhone at the heart of the connected home. The scheme will be similar to Apple's existing made-for-iPhone label, given to compatible headphones, speakers, and other accessories, but with the new brand and logo, Apple may also provide additional checks and assurances that certified products are not vulnerable to hackers. The Cupertino-based company will likely uh, emphasize the privacy protections built into its smart home system. One person familiar with Apple's plans told the Financial Times, given the heightened sensitivity about technology companies' access to personal information amid the revelations about the U.S. intelligence agency's online surveillance programs. Unquote. So I think what the Financial Times is trying to say here is that Apple's home monitoring system home control system, whatever you want to call it, is going to be superior to that, what Google is putting out with Nest, because Apple's not as far in bed with the NSA as Google is. So if you don't want the folks at Fort Meade to know that your temperature is set at 75 degrees rather than the recommended 77 degrees, hey, Apple's home control system is going to be the one for you. The neat thing about 11th hour rumors and Apple those are the ones that tend to hit. So maybe why Apple did not buy Nest, beyond the lack of any real financial soundness for the deal, might be that Apple has its own way to control your home, and that is more to do with your Apple TV and or iOS device. Thanks to Steve in Arizona for this next one, which I mentioned because of one comment in the article about the size of the phone. Quote, Monstrous screens are attractive while in use, but for the majority of time, your phone is still in your pocket, unquote. I was talking to one of the moms at the pool, and she had a shattered iPhone 4S. She broke it a couple of days earlier. She asked when the iPhone 6 was coming out and what would be the features that are new on the iPhone 6. When I mentioned it would be bigger, she went, ew, or something like that. She is not looking for a larger phone. She said she likes the size of the 4S, so there are still a group of people out there that like the portability size of the 4S, 5S phones. I think when the iPhone 6 comes out, it will not just be one size, but multiple sizes. Or at least the 5S will be updated to add some of the iPhone 6 features. Actually, I think one version of the iPhone 6 will be essentially the iPhone 5S, but with the Sapphire Glass, the A8 processor, and a better camera some slight tweaks to the physical packaging, the iPhone Air, if you will, with the iPhone 6 at 4.7 inches being the iPhone Pro. Oh, wait, that makes no sense unless Apple then launches an iPad Pro at 12 or 13 inches. Okay, then it all makes sense. Hi, Rob, this is Jeff in Arkansas. Uh, as far as what I'm looking forward to with WWDC is uh, I'm hoping that they'll announce a new Apple TV uh, it's been something I've been holding out on for a while, kind of waiting for a new one to come out because I want to add another one to the house. So hoping that comes to fruition. As far as what new features it comes with, I, I'm not really sure what to expect, but um, I do think Siri integration probably makes sense, uh, especially given uh, App, Amazon's new Fire TV. And from what I've 
what little I've read about it, it sounds like their voice integration and, and voice controller works pretty nice on the Amazon one. It'd be interesting to see if Apple kind of comes back and, and adds something similar with Siri. So also I'd be curious to get your, your thoughts on uh, the Fire TV. I don't know if I've heard you mention it or talk about it in the show, but it does seem like a pretty viable competitor to the Apple TV. So that's another reason I'm curious to see if, if the Apple TV kind of uh, leapfrogs it again with new functionality. That's all I've got. Thanks. Bye. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. There hasn't been much talk lately about the new Apple TV or the Mac Mini. Just an idea, but what if they combine these devices into one, giving the TV HDR services? Regards, Jason H. Hi, Jeff and Jason. Yep, I'm definitely hoping for a new Apple TV for WWDC, but then I was hoping for it before the end of March and also back in the fall. Seems it is way, way overdue. Per features in Amazon Fire's TV box, I don't want to compare until, well, it is here. That is the new Apple TV, and we know the specs. I have had a few people ask about my comments on Amazon's Fire TV box, but I think it is a bit premature at this time. Hopefully, next couple of episodes, we get into more detailed comparisons because we have something to actually compare. But I do feel clearly that the Apple TV 4th gen needs to be quite a step up from the 3rd gen because Amazon has raised the bar with the Fire TV. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. Just thought I would send an email to let you know that I haven't experienced any issues after updating the podcast app and iTunes for Mac. In fact, I've found that syncing between the devices has been more accurate and faster, a problem that I had been experiencing for ages prior to the update. It seems I'm one of very lucky few to have avoided the issues that so many of your listeners have experienced. Regards, Ben from sunny Australia. Hi, Rob. In regards to people who don't want an iStick, there are other alternatives such as a device called PQI AirShare. This is the size of a credit card and can take an SD card. It connects to your phone via Wi-Fi and can actually sync up with up to five devices. It's on Amazon for £30. It's definitely worth a look. Regards, Tom W. in England. Hi, Rob. I was wondering if there was an app that would allow you to use your iPad camera connection kit to browse through the files on an external USB drive. Thanks in advance. Regards, Samuel. Well, Samuel, nope, not that I am currently aware of, but I am currently searching for one. If I can find an app as such, and you combine it with the camera connection kit and a USB thumb drive, you would basically be duplicating the iStick. Now, I have been testing out potential apps, and so far nothing works quite right. That said, when iStick releases their app, it is likely to work with the camera connection kit and a USB thumb drive which may very well be why they have not released it yet. I know if I was them, I would not release that app until at least the Kickstarter pledge period was over and really not until just before I started shipping the iStick if I was them. In the meantime, I will keep looking for an app that works, and obviously if I find one, I will mention it on the show. Let's go to Kickstarter. And yes, yet another iPad case on Kickstarter. This one is called Acme Made Ergo Book iPad Case. Nice naming, guys. They had a goal of just $5,000 and are over four times that goal and counting. This one you have until June 14th at 4.58 a.m. Central Time to be a funder of. Pricing on this is $45 for an iPad Mini or $50 for an iPad Air. So what makes this one a little different than others? It is a thin case that allows for 360-degree rotation of the iPad. And you can also pop it out a little to the iPad, that is, to take a photo. Additionally, the cover folds back like Apple's smart cover. That is the cover part of it. And there is a strap hidden on the cover that makes it easy to hold onto and a lot less likely to drop. And you can fold the cover back, put your hand through the strap, and then rotate into landscape mode, making it easier to hold when watching video, or more importantly, when recording video with your iPad. If you have an iPad Air or Mini and are not happy with your case, this is 
one that's kind of pretty neat. You will want to check out the video because I am really not doing it any justice here on the description. Plus, the video really shows how well this uh, case will work and what the advantages of it are. Search for Acme Made Ergo Book at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 309 over at todayinios.com. Outside of Flash, I really like what Adobe does software-wise. Well, except for the annoying pop-ups to update the software. But the software itself is always very good. And now Adobe has released a new app just for the iPad called Adobe Voice App. From the description, quote, Voice helps you create stunning animated videos in minutes. No filming? Just talk to tell your story. Pick from over 2,500 beautiful iconic images to show your ideas and voice automatically adds cinematic motion and soundtrack. Persuade, inform, and inspire anyone online. Make an impact, unquote. So it is a presentation app that creates a video for you using your voiceover, and the apps cost nothing, nada. No cost for you, as in free. Well done, Adobe. If anyone makes an interesting video using this app, please send me a link to where you post them, and I will mention it on the show. I just found out about the app a few hours before recording, so all I did was download it. I am looking forward to playing with it in the next couple weeks. Again, send your links to your videos to todayinios at gmail.com and also post them up in the Google Plus community. This is Max from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm calling in for the person that was talking about his headphones not playing loud enough for him to hear. Pretty standard first step to do is to try to use another device, like, you know, try using another Bluetooth device or another uh, headphone device, depending on, you know, depending on whether it plugs into the headphone port or not, and see if that makes a difference. If it does make a difference, and if you are able to hear it better with other devices, that probably means there's a problem with your current earpiece, and you should contact the manufacturer of that earpiece. If the same problem happens on other devices, then you should go ahead and try to try to do what you said and drain the battery and then charge it back up. Thanks. Love the show. Max, thanks for the feedback and suggestions. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Hope all is well with you and yours. I have a question that I hope you or one of the listeners may be able to help me with. I like the new calendar app for iOS 7. However, the alerts rarely alert me. I am interested in a calendar app that you can change the alert tones, volumes, vibrations, etc. Maybe a critical appointment has a fire bell go off or something like that. I know I can see set a separate alarm in the clock app, but would prefer a calendar with full integration. Regards, Kevin S. Hi, Kevin. I know what you mean. Even though I have calls set up on my calendar, what I actually wind up doing each morning is looking at my daily calendar and setting individual alarms for each call that day. And it is the alarms that remind me best. I wish Apple's calendar app would allow you to use the same level of intrusion as the alarm app for getting your attention. Alerts are nice, but I, like you, want an alarm. Maybe that is something we will get in iOS 8. The additions of alarms to go with alerts for calendar items. Obviously, we don't just want alarms. It's something you don't need all the time, but it would be nice for some items to set that alarm for. If anyone knows of a good app now that meets what Kevin and I are looking for, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com or give us a call 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I'm a longtime listener since the very beginning. I listened to the show even though I willingly opted out of the first iPhone because it didn't support Exchange Mail integration. But when the second gen came out with iOS 2, I joined the fold, and your show was and is a great tutorial of information. Thanks for all you do for the sake of the show. I have a question that I would like to pose to the user base. Whenever I am on a conference call, I generally mute myself until I need to speak. And inevitably, what ends up happening is the phone screen locks and shuts off. Then somebody asks a question, and when I, you don't respond quickly, they think you hung up or got disconnected because it takes a few seconds to turn on the screen, unlock the phone, and hit the mute button again to unmute. The question is, 
is there a jailbreak tweak that puts the mute button on the screen lock for quick accessibility? Regards, Hermes. Uh, the old issue. Set auto lock to five minutes or set it to never. If you set it to never and your phone's sitting around and someone grabs it, they have access to it. If you set it to five minutes, then you have to deal with issues like this. Because I work from home, I have mine set to never. But obviously, if you are someone that works outside of your home and have an opportunity where your device could be stolen quite often, setting your auto lock to never may not be the most advantageous of settings. But in this case, what you may have to do before conference calls is to go into auto lock and change it to never. That said, I will send this out to the jailbreakers out there. Does anyone know of a jailbreak tweak that Hermes is looking for that will put the mute button on the lock screen? If you do, send us an email or give us a call. Hi, Rob. There was a supposed jailbreak release of iOS 7.1.1 over the weekend, according to a YouTuber. The website change to evaders.me. Have you heard or seen anything regarding this? And is it safe to jailbreak this OS? Regards, Justin. Run away, run away. There is no public or untethered jailbreak of iOS 7.1.1. And the site you mentioned is a scam site. There are a few others out there like that, uh, cyberlegator.net or something like that, which looks to be a legit jailbreak site, but they are not. Run away, run away. There is, at this time, end of May 2014, no public jailbreak for iOS 7.1.1, and there may never be one. It will depend a lot on what happens with the iOS 8 beta and how vulnerable it is to the current jailbreak feature or vulnerability. So essentially, if the current jailbreak vulnerability is still there in iOS 8 beta when it's released, then the jailbreak team will probably not do a public release of the jailbreak for 7.1.1. When there is a legit jailbreak for 7.1.1, we will definitely talk about it on the show, but for now, remember, there is no public jailbreak for 7.1.1. I am Jeff Fort, and my partners and I have developed a word game called Crypto Search. One of our team members was a cryptologist, and we think you'll find the game challenging and fun. It is really three games in one. First, you must decipher a key using the clues you have been given. The key is a mathematical relationship between letters and numbers. Having solved the key, you then use it to solve a word search puzzle. Finally, you unscramble the remaining letters to reveal the crypto word. The app contains 15 free puzzles, five in each of three categories of difficulty. They are easy on the mind, brain boggler, and mind warping. There is a tutorial to help you get started. If you are hooked, and we think you will be, 30 more games can be purchased for a dollar. Look for crypto dash search in the app store. Jeff, thanks for sending in the review of your app, Crypto Search, and folks, there'll be a link to it in the show notes. And again, that is a free app. And folks, if you are a developer and you have a free app, you can always send in the review like Jeff did, and I'll play it later in the show so people can hear about it. Doesn't have to be just the beginning with the promo codes. We'll do reviews later in the show as well. Thanks to John M. for this next one, which is a post titled Apple TV 3 Jailbreak Very Unlikely. If you've been following along at home in the past, Apple TV's first and second gens had jailbreaks available. Apple's TV third gen has not been jailbroken so far. And per this article, it does not look good for it to ever be jailbroken. The article basically says it's a combo of technology and apathy. As one of the people in the jailbreak community said, he's, quote, starting to doubt anyone talented enough will ever care enough to jailbreak the Apple TV 3, unquote. So for anyone that emailed in in the past about when will the Apple TV 3rd gen be jailbroken, the answer is sometime right after a full-size Apple TV is available and NFC is added to the iPhone, or when transparent aluminum is commercially available. Hi, Rob. My name is Janet, and I'm calling from uh, Richwood, Ohio. I was calling in response to one of your callers um, on today's show about the Google Voice number and wanting the iPhone to ring a different, more distinct, or separate ring altogether for his Google Voice calls, um, for his uh, 
business use. There actually is a workaround in Google Voice to do that. And what you would do is in the Google Voice, and you would need to go to the desktop version, either from your iPhone or from an actual computer. If you click the Voice Google Voice settings and then click the Calls tab, if you check the option to uh, display my Google Voice number when a call directed to your Google Voice number comes into your iPhone, if you then store that number in your iPhone as your business line, because if it is assigned a separate contact, you can then assign a separate ringtone to it. And every time you see that call come in, you would see it was from Google Voice, and you would hear its own sync ringtone. I hope that helps, and I am greatly enjoying your show. I have just simply discovered it and look forward to more. Thanks again. Have a great day. Janet, thank you for the great feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Which Freedom Pop device did you order? I got mine today, my 5 4G, 3G, the 4082, to use with the 500 meg free plan, but the device only does 4G WiMAX, and the 3G end of it will not work with the 500 free plan. I'm being told that I must upgrade to a paid plan or buy the LTE 199 device to use in my area. I don't know why the 4882 device was said to work in my area before I ordered. Regards, Junior. Hi, Junior. I got the Photon from Freedom Pup. That was the one that cost $31 and change delivered, uh, $24.99 before the delivery. It is just a 4G, i.e. WiMAX device, so you must have WiMAX coverage in your area for it to work. Again, check your coverage before ordering a device. And Junior, thanks for the heads up on the 3G not being included in the free 500 meg plan. Hi, Rob. I wanted to provide my reviews of Freedom Pop and Jingit. Freedom Pop. I looked at Freedom Pop for a while. Shortly after hearing your interview on it, I got an email from them about a $20 refurbished hotspot and decided to try them out. The $20 hotspot was a Sierra Wireless Overdrive, not the Overdrive Pro. Currently, I am still in my initial month and trying to determine what the usage amount best fits me. I will say I should have done a better job shopping for hotspots as where I live in Leavenworth, Kansas, my hotspot only gets 3G coverage even though the LTE is available. The LTE hotspot runs $100 to $200 depending on where you purchase it from. Based on 16 days of use so far, I have just used under 700 meg. One thing I didn't hear in the interview was the option about completing offers to get more data. Based on my usage thus far, I'll probably downgrade my plan to the 399 500 meg per month plan and then complete the offers for additional data. The offers range from a very few megabytes of data up for the month to up around 2 gig. One offer I completed this month was to try freecreditreport.com. I signed up for the seven-day trial, but I didn't have to give my credit card information and canceled the trial before the seven days were up or get charged $17.99 month recurring fee. For this, I received 1.7 gig within about two minutes of completing my registration. A $1 authorization was placed on my credit card, and the next day I canceled the trial membership. I think I can handle this once per month for the amount of data some of the better plans offer uh, awards. Offer types generally include short consumer surveys, signing up for trial memberships with a credit card like the one I did, or for registering for subscription services. The Freedom Pop iOS app is useful but could use some attention. I found it crashed quite a bit, and it would be handy to be able to complete offers on the app. Finally, I tried to add you as a Freedom Pop friend, but had some trouble doing so. It appears the site wants to invite friends, but I can't seem to figure out how to link up with friends to share data and receive the additional 20 meg per month. If you know how to do this, maybe you can link to my account at brianjones8282 at gmail.com. Please feel free to share that with the audience. Uh, too, so that we can link to as many people as possible. Per my review of Jingit, Jingit is an iOS app that works like checkpoints or other check-in shopping apps. When you are at a retail store, 
you scan a product and complete a one to five question survey for 10 cents up to $2. If you buy the product, you scan the receipt and earn a larger additional reward. What best separates this app from other check-in apps is that for $3, they will send you a debit card to put your rewards on. What appeals to me about this card is that it is great card for low cost purchases and it doesn't like link back to my account, bank account. If you want to use larger purchases, you can also add funds to it via direct deposits and withdrawals from US bank bank accounts for free. Uh, I use the card anytime I know a website is going to charge my card a dollar authorization to verify the card is an active card. This is great if you want to protect your debit card slash credit cards. In the case of Freedom Pop, I used it as my card of record and for the freecreditreport.com to get the extra 1.7 gig that I mentioned because I keep very low balances. I'm not at risk of them actually charging me the $18 a month fee if I should forget to cancel. I have also made this my billing card for iTunes as well so that I don't have to worry about me or my kids making excessive in-app purchases. Hope these reviews are useful to the audience. Regards, Brian in Leavenworth, Kansas. Brian, thank you for the review of Jingit and Freedom Pop and the suggestions you had in there. And again, Brian's email was brianjones8282 at gmail.com. And if you want to add me on Freedom Pop, todayinios at gmail.com. If you want to know when new episodes go up, look at the TI app, not just as the best way to consume the show, but also as a great way to get push messages when a new episode goes live or there is other iOS breaking news. Just $2.99 in the App Store helps you get the most out of the show, and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really easy to email or call the show with your feedback. Again, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app or product review, good or bad. As long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for TII. I'm about to play the music here at the end of the show that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. But before I do, I want to ask you to do something while that music is playing. And that is to go into iTunes on your iOS device, into the podcast app, or on your computer, into the iTunes store, and either go to my podcast or to some other podcast that you listen to that you like and put in a review. Now, I'm asking you to do this for ones that you do like. So if you don't like the show, you didn't like what you heard, don't do the review. But if you did like today's show or there's some other podcasts that you like, please go in and put a review in. Podcasters spend anywhere from five hours to 20 hours, in my case, a week doing the podcast. And all I'm asking for you to do here in the next two minutes is to go in and put a little review about the show. And I would greatly appreciate that. Again, if not just for me, do it for another podcast you listen to.